our gospel lesson is from Matthew, the sixth chapter, um, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And I invite you to hear these words from Jesus. Be careful that you don't practice your religion in front of people to draw their attention. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Whenever you give to the poor, don't blow your trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may get praise from people. I assure you that's the only reward they'll get. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you may give to the poor in secret. Your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't be like hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people will see them. I assure you that's the only reward they'll get. But when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is present in that secret place. Your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. And when you fast, they don't put on a sad face like the hypocrites. They distort their faces so people will know they are fasting. I assure you that they have their reward. When you fast, brush your hair and wash your face. Then you won't look like you are fasting to people, but only to your Father who is present in that secret place. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Stop collecting treasures for, yourself, for your own benefit on earth, where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust don't eat them and where thieves don't break in and steal them. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, let the words in my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In our family, we do things this way. Other families might do it another way, and that is okay for them, but we do it this way. In our family, we don't say those words to other people. We are kind and respectful. In our family, we don't get phones until mommy and daddy say that we do. Uh-huh, thank you. From the mouths of babes. In our family, we pray before we make major decisions. In our family, yeah, thank you, yes. In our family, we always tell the truth. Parenting is a way of helping chart the course and helping a child navigate how to live their lives. As kids grow, they begin to understand that there was a particular way that their family did things. For a long time, they don't appreciate that reality. But then as they raise their own children one day, they may find themselves beginning sentences with, in our family, that's right, we do, as they explain why their family and rules might be different from their friends. While teaching his disciples, Jesus instructs them, whenever you give to the poor, when you pray, when you fast. Notice that Jesus is not giving his disciples, this Jewish crowd, who is beginning to follow him, instructions to give to the poor, or to pray, or to fast. The assumption of Jesus is that they are already practicing these spiritual disciplines. They are followers of the Almighty God, after all. So they are already in tune with how things work in this family. 
In this family, we give to the poor. In this family, we pray multiple times a day. In this family, we fast, is how a Jewish kid would have been brought up. And all of these things were done so that people might be closer to the heart of God. They were practices meant to move their heart from where it is to where it should be. Lent is an intentional time where we attempt to move our heart from where it is to where it should be. Where is your heart? What do you treasure? Ultimately, that is the question underlying Jesus' teaching. In the culture where he was teaching, many people were concerned about their image when they gave to the poor, when they prayed, when they fasted. Their motivation was the issue. No longer were they sharing or praying or fasting to be closer to the heart of God. No, they wanted others to know that they seemed closer to the heart of God. Richard Foster begins his classic celebration of discipline with these words. Superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. To practice spiritual piety so that others can witness it is the definition of superficiality. I want to be the deep people that Richard Foster describes, the people who live out of a deep well of God's love and joy and peace. In other words, you give to the poor because that's what we do in our family. And when we do it, we don't make sure that our friend or neighbor hears us say that when we were at, that we were at lunch, that we were at the lunch feeding the homeless earlier that day. And when we give something up for Lent as a form of a fast, we don't have to announce it so that others know our self-righteousness for doing something so hard as giving up unnecessary and indulgent calories. The fasting description that Jesus gives is interesting because it truly counters the Old Testament examples of fasting. In most of the Old Testament examples, people who are fasting are to wear sackcloth and ashes and almost stand out because of their situation. But Jesus is telling the disciples that even when they practice disciplines of abstinence, that they should do so from a heart of joy. For we don't take on these disciplines as a form of punishment. Today, when the ashes are placed on your head, you are reminded of your own mortality for sure. But you are also encouraged to repent and believe the gospel. That's good news. Ash Wednesday is one day, but we don't stay here, even in these 40 days of Lent. Instead, our motivator is drawing closer to God. My hope at Lent has become that a new practice or a new habit gets taken up, that I get, that gets taken up or dropped, that draws me closer to God, and I simply don't stop. For instance, some people might say that they really struggle to find time to pray and read the Bible daily, to spend 10 or 15 minutes with God. But then they try it when they do something like our Lent study that we're doing as a congregation. I promise you, if you do this Lent study for 40 days, you will meet and encounter God. It won't be drastic every single day. There will be better days than others. But you can do it. And if you pair that with something like limiting your usage of this thing, or if you set goals like only checking social media once per day, you will magically find time as well. 
Where is your heart? What do you treasure? You may have an anxious mind. You get easily worried and can't focus on anything for very long. There might be just a running to-do list in your background all of the time. And maybe you take up the discipline of taking a walk. No earphones, just walking. And maybe you even walk once a week in the woods. Your anxious mind may just begin to calm down some. You may find meditation and silence help draw you closer to God. And you cannot live without those walks. Where is your heart? What do you treasure? These practices that I'm encouraging are life-giving and soul-enriching. They are gifts and not punishments. This isn't 50 Hail Marys coming at you from the priest. This is encouraging you to live into the gifts of life that Jesus offers. Gifts that allow us to breathe in the midst of craziness. Gifts that help center us in the life of God and not in the priorities of marketplace, entertainment, or the political sphere. Those priorities hold way too much and way too high of allegiance for us. If for you it's the marketplace, then you might constantly be concerned about money or the state of the market. If it's entertainment, perhaps you find yourself always on the border of addiction, be it with alcohol, pornography, other substances, or just the next thing. If it's the political sphere, you might be obsessed with elections and supporting or not supporting a candidate or knowing what a certain talking head on TV is saying. When any of those priorities are first, they are putting us out of whack in our relationship with God. But we don't get those priorities straight just by willing ourselves to do so. Because what we are doing when we put other things in place of God at the center of our, of our lives is sinning. And sinning comes really easy to us humans. Richard Foster writes it this way, Sin is part of the internal structure of our lives. No special effort is needed to produce it. No wonder we feel trapped. Our ordinary method of dealing with ingrained sin is to launch a frontal attack. We rely on our willpower and determination. Whatever may be the issue for us, anger, fear, bitterness, gluttony, pride, lust, substance abuse, we determine never to do it again. We pray against it, fight against it, set our will against it. But the struggle is all in vain, and we find ourselves once again morally bankrupt. Willpower will never succeed in dealing with the deeply ingrained habits of sin. So whatever your discipline is this Lent, may it be something that frees you from self-centered habits and the deeply ingrained habits of sin. And may you find new habits that strengthen you and bring you joy. So welcome to Lent. A time set aside for you to move your heart from where it is to where it should be. A precious gift. Amen.